Well, happy Sunday. This is PFG Live. How are you? We made it through another uh, Thanksgiving, and I still have leftover turkey in the fridge. How is everybody? <laughs> CJ Stevens, welcome aboard. He says, uh, remember to hit that like button before you forget. Hit that like button and uh, subscribe. So uh, welcome. We are having an awesome day here in the New Hampshire. The only thing we had go wrong so far this morning is our clock, which is usually right here. For some reason, it broke, so we don't have a clock, but that's life in the big city. Uh, welcome aboard to CJ Stevens, who reports 44 Fahrenheit and cloudy in East Tennessee. Uh, let's see who else is here. Uh, DBX is checking in near White Plains, where the winds are one uh, one one zero at seven knots. Visibility ten miles. Bro sky broken at forty two hundred. Temperature zero seven dew point zero two. Altimeter three zero one four. Remarks unimportant. Uh, Tux Garage is checking in from the Buffalo with forty six Fahrenheit. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs in frigid Buffalo, New York. New York machinist is here. 45 degrees and sunny in Corning, New York. Take care of that cookware. Bill Olney is here in Syracuse, New York. That's not far. You guys are ganging up on me from upstate. 41 degrees and cloudy in Syracuse. Flatlapper is here. Howdy. 31 degrees Fahrenheit with flurries and 10 mile an hour winds in northern Illinois. Well, here in Windham, New Hampshire, it's 44 degrees, 59% relative humidity. But just up the street at Manchester Airport, winds are 180 at 8 knots, visibility 10 miles, sky broken at 18,000, broken 25,000, temperature 06, dew point minus 06, altimeter 3018. Remarks unimportant. CJ Stevens says most of the east seems the same temperature. Yeah, it's pretty calm around here. Everything's sort of stable. WidgetWorks is checking in. Three degrees science. 71% relative humidity with a minus 2 degrees C dew point. Thank you very much. Cloudy, Edmonton, Alberta. Protium is with us. Welcome, sir. 62 degrees, of course. 35% relative humidity in Tucson, Arizona. Did you have to import that relative humidity in Tucson? <laughs> or is that sort of, uh, they do it for the holidays? They just open the valve for the holidays? Hey, Machine New Zealand is here. Good morning. Nice to see you, sir. Uh, beautiful pictures you posted of your uh, model engine on uh, Instagram. Nice job, buddy. That looked great. And we learned uh, by asking on the, on our Discord server that we learned that it was nine inches tall. Pretty cool. Paul Morley is here from Dallas. Welcome. And he reports 50 degrees Fahrenheit. That is awesome. Huh. Well... I hope you all had an awesome Thanksgiving. Some of you are probably still recovering. In fact, I, I anticipate a pretty light crowd today because of the Thanksgiving holiday. I almost, almost decided to take the day off, but I didn't because PFG Live. We have to be PFG. So uh, we had uh, a good Thanksgiving. We had a quiet one at home with the uh, nuclear family or the nuclear family, depending on where you're from. 
<laughs> uh, after all that food, we, uh, yeah, after all that food, my gorgeous wife uh, baked a, uh, not baked, but cooked a turkey that was just awesome. And we had uh, wonderful turkey. Uh, we had a pumpkin cheesecake. So pumpkin pie is pretty traditional. But uh, my fantastic wife has a cheesecake recipe to die for. And this time she made pumpkin cheesecake, highly recommended. It was really nice. So that was pretty, uh, that was pretty awesome. But we didn't overeat. I didn't overeat. It was just, just right. Robert Simpson is here. Welcome aboard, sir. He's reporting 38 degrees Fahrenheit and raining just north of Detroit. Winter gray is here. So the sky is a perfect uh, softbox this morning. So I decided that we would go with natural light. And I think it's working out pretty well, even though it's just me you have to look at. Um, yeah, so we're all here. So uh, I picked a couple of topics today because... One of the one of the uh, things that happened in the past couple of weeks is I was down visiting mom, uh, who's having a problem with a sewing machine. I'm a little bummed about this. Uh, it's a Bernina. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I should sit up straight. Uh, mom's sewing machine is a Bernina, which they don't exactly give away, but. Um, one of the challenges is I think she stripped the gear. Um, and I, I think I want to say again, and they're, I don't think they're metal gears. I'm sort of, uh, sort of bummed about that. So I, I said I'd come down and, uh, and diagnose it, uh, for, for mom and see what it needs. But I have a funny feeling we're going to be visiting the repair store and getting, uh, getting that getting that gear replaced. Uh, by the way, thank you very much to everybody who uh, has subscribed to this YouTube channel. Um, I just turned on the subscriber count <laughs> instead of the clock. Uh, the clock is broken. Here, I'll show you the clock. Um, if you're if you're watching on the YouTubes, the clock is stuck at 144.13. Why? I don't know, but that's not what time it is. Um. So thanks for the, uh, for the subs. And if you are not subscribed and there is about a 40% chance that you are not a subscriber, but you're watching this subscribe, we're here every week and, uh, you'll get a notification. So, uh, what else is going on? So I was, I was uh, talking to mom. So mom weeks ago had given me these rotary blades to sharpen. So mom's a quilter and the way they cut big pieces of fabric laying on a table is generally with these rotary cutters. I would call them pizza cutters because I'm more likely to be cutting pizza than fabric. <laughs> so, but you know what they look like. And I, I don't remember the name of the brand. That's sort of the name Fes Fesco, I think anyway. She dulled out a bunch of blades because she's actually doing stuff and she saved them for me and, and asked me to sharpen them. And for the longest time they sat on the bench and I had, uh, I had no 
idea how I was going to accomplish this. Like a lot of projects, it sat around for a while. Then yesterday, um, was it yesterday or was it Friday? It's all a blur. I was in the shop and I was grinding uh, stones. And when you grind stones, there's a lot of time, uh, there's a long cycle time. And I think this is true in any CNC uh, machining operation where you're making parts, you have a cycle time during which you can get other stuff done. And if you are super efficient, you, you design your whole process around that so you know you can get things done. So it was one of those days, and those rotary blades were staring me in the face. And I said, you know, I've, I've got to deal with this. So I did what, what I coined under-complicationalism, compl- under which means get the job done with whatever is in the shop that you could reach and, and you know, make something out of. Uh, K-Bonk is here. Welcome aboard. We'll forgive your tardiness. He's reporting 48 degrees and drizzling near the cracked bell of liberty, which I, I offered to Tigweld, and they didn't take me up on it. So, uh, oh, I want to give a shout out to A-Bomb79, Adam Booth. He did a perfect example of undercomplicationalism in which he needed to make uh, some way of holding this casting for the base of the uh, bench vise that he's making from parts in turn from fireball tool. And uh, he just grabbed a piece of stock. He turned, he turned a boss on it. You have to watch this video. It, it was a a excellent demonstration of getting things done. And, uh, and he did a great job, but he never left the shop. He didn't have to go order materials. He didn't have to go, you know, design a fixture, build a fixture, uh, send the fixture out for hardening. (laughs) It was just get it done. So here I am in the middle of a one hour, 17 minute, um, cycle time. And, and Robert Simpson correctly points out that it was a good demo of chatter mitigation. Yes. I was, I was cheering him on. K-Bonk, I actually, believe it or not, I'm enough of a nerd to know that the crack is pinned. I, I've been there. I inspected it. I had my calipers out shortly, you know, shortly before my arrest. Anyway, one hour, 17 minutes of uh, cycle time. So I... I grabbed a pin. I had these, uh, oh gosh, it was a three inch long pin, uh, half inch diameter. And it turned out that that, that hardened pin is case hardened, which is very frequently the, the case. See what I did there? And I was able to throw it in the lathe, carbide tooling. I turned a boss on it. Uh, the, the center of these, um, let me see if I can show it to you because I, I put it in the thumbnail and um, there, there it is. The center of these things had a really weird shape to them and that shape uh, seemed to have a, uh, let's see if I can get the, where is that picture? 
Yeah, there it is. So it, it has a weird shape to it, but there's a center section, which is about a 0.326 inch diameter. Why? I don't know. I converted that to metric, still was unsatisfying. So I, I turned a boss on this pin, uh, which turned out to be a, a, a nice fit, but I had two problems. And the first problem was I was using a tool that had a radius on the nose that was pretty pretty strong, like a 30,000th radius or something like that. So I had to square up the radius. Um, Ulfa, thank you. K-Bonk nails it. They're Ulfa blades, O-L-F-A, Ulfa. That's the name of the uh, cutter. Nice job, thank you. So again, in practicing under complicationalism, I reached up and grabbed my uh, grooving tool, my cutoff tool that has a nice square shape to it. And I did a manual operation on my CNC lathe to go in literally a tenth at a time and square that corner out at the bottom of the boss. And then once that was done, I drilled and I tapped uh, 832 plenty deep, like three quarters of an inch deep. And then I turned the boss down again until I left only nine thousandths of an inch. And that these blades are 11 thousandths of an inch, um, in, uh, in thickness. Let's see if I can go find that picture again. Yeah, so that 11 thousandths of an inch thickness is all I had to grab onto and to center the blade up. So I did that. That was successful. And then the next little complication was very interesting. The uh, I, I, I picked a washer to hold this thing on, and I did a little short on this, but I, I had to figure out which side of the washer was crowned. So when the washers get stamped out in production, the side that that the stamp is on, it ends up bowing the, the washer a little bit. In normal operation, nobody cares. But I went over to a PFG stone. By the way, this is brought to you by PFG stones. Who ask, if you don't have a PFG stone, how do you know anything's flat? So go to pfgstones.com. So I took the washer and I just wiped it on the PFG stone both sides and it was obvious in seconds which side had to go down. It tightened up beautifully and the next step was putting the whole arbor, the whole pin in my drill and using a V-block to hold it on my uh, AccuFinish lapping machine. And I posted a little video on Instagram of me sharpening that blade and I will leave that for you as an exercise. DBX uh, has, a, has a report, this just in, from the city of Philadelphia. DBX uh, quoted, in 1846, when the city decided to repair the bell, this is the Liberty Bell, prior to George Washington's birthday holiday, February 23rd, Metal workers widened the thin crack to prevent its farther spread and restore the tone of the bell using a technique called stop drilling. I think we're familiar with stop drilling. 
That's not exactly widening the crack, folks, but okay. The wide crack in the Liberty Bell is actually the repair job. Look carefully and you'll see over 40 drill bit marks in that wide crack, but the repair was not successful. The public ledger newspaper reported that the repair failed when another fissure developed. This second crack, running from the abbreviation for Philadelphia up through the word Liberty, silenced the bell forever. There's clearly two pins in there, so this can't be the whole story. DBX, an investigative reporter for PFG Live. Thank you very much. Stop drilling your wheels. New York Machinist says, we're trying. So uh, so there you go. Uh, after this sharpening job, if you do try to keep up, folks, I can't make this easy. After the sharpening job, uh, it looked really like we nailed it. And we're very happy to report that they are ready to be returned to the customer for further testing. Now, one of two things is going to happen. Either uh, mom is going to say, uh, these work better than ever. Time is still broken. Or mom's going to say, what the heck did you do with these? In which case, I will run down the street <laughs> and buy her some new ones. So that was the story on the rotary blades. And uh, that's all we need to say about that. So uh, mom, if you're listening, they're on the way. I'll bring them down soon. Uh, and uh, if anybody has, has talked to Ulfa, just let them know that I'm available for uh, blade sharpening. Uh, BK Holliston said to me on Instagram, he said, uh, you, you know, if you value your time, you'll just go out and buy new ones because these are, these are not expensive. Well, I completely agree, except this wasn't about time. This was about uh, having some fun and learning how to get something done under the rubric of undercomplicationalism. So, uh, job done. Um, yeah, so stop drilling. I don't understand why, to me, stop drilling uh, happens once at the end of a crack. Why were they putting a zillion holes in the thing? That doesn't make any sense to me. Obviously, the crack did not stop. What would you have done to the Liberty Bell to make things better? I think I would have put it back in a uh, in the oven and relaxed the metal, but I'm not an expert. So uh, put it in the comments. What would you do to have fixed the Liberty Bell? Oh, here's a photo. We got a photo. Thank you, uh, DBX. I see a bolt at the top. I remember that bolt, and I remember something at the bottom. Uh, but that's a big, a big crack. Tuck's Garage says, melt it down and pour it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they were a little bit, uh, you know, romantic about the whole thing. And if you suggested melting it down, you'd probably see the end of a musket stuck somewhere. So uh, I'm waiting. Proteum's typing. Something's coming from Proteum. He says, but there's another pass and Stowe Bell at the Capitol building in Boise. So pass and Stowe, if I remember correctly, were the manufacturers of the bell. And there is one at the Capitol Bell in Boise. 
Interesting. I didn't know that. And did the, so is that where they were? Is that where Stowe, uh, Pass and Stowe uh, were in Boise? By the way, uh, a public service announcement. It's not Boise. It's Boise. Okay. Like with a CY at the end, Boise. I get that uh, directly from a native. So Peck and Stowe didn't want to do it, I heard, says K-Bonk. And K-Bonk was there. Tobbs, welcome aboard, sir, says, so they should have just passed and stowed the bell? Sir, that brings up two important points. Number one, that was just a ridiculous pun. Number two, we're so glad you're here. You're in exactly the right place. So I will pass on your comment and ask you to stow it, and we'll move on. So uh, one of the topics I brought up today that I want to talk about is uh, machinist everyday carry. So <laughs> Robert Simpson says, just turn the crack away from the audience side. Yeah, I don't think that's going to fly. DBX quotes, the bell first cracked when rung after its arrival in Philadelphia and was twice recast by local workmen, John Pass and John Stowe, whose last names appear on the bell. Okay, now we're learning something. I think we're going to have to have a special episode on, uh, on bells. So if anybody knows a bell expert, we'll bring them in as a guest and uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. So let's move on. Get away from this bell because I don't think you're going to be carrying it around. Oh, the Maine Bell Company. That's Maine as in the state of Maine. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think I saw some stuff about the local uh, talent. We'll have to see. Maybe we can go up there, have a lobster, and, uh, and do a video. That would be fun. So here's the question for everybody in chat, and we will, of course, include your results. What do you carry, as, as the machinist you are, on an everyday basis? Now, let me set the ground rules. This is not job-specific. This is you wake up in the morning, you're putting your grubbies on to go get stuff done. What are you carrying on your person every day? That's my question to you. And I will start by uh, showing you what I carry every day. And it has evolved over time. Um, and I guess I'll do it in order of, of things that are most frequently used. Uh, and this has been a topic of... Uh, of conversation at the dinner table with uh, Sam this week, actually. So I found a pouch. I'm not a hundred percent thrilled with this pouch, but I found a belt pouch that's got uh, a place for three pens and then a pouch for a few other things. And I will go over these things. The first one is a pen. Now I'm going to catch some flack for this. But this is one of the so-called Fisher Space Pens, and they've been making these things for about a billion years. <laughs> okay, so we'll get to we'll get to your uh, 
actually, DBX, I think we're going to bring you in as a guest so you can explain this. So you might want to be prepared for that. So number one for me is a pen, and uh, this Fisher Space Pen is in my pouch. Now, right here, sitting at my desk, I have a Grimsmo Saga pen, which I, I cherish. And the reason it's at my desk is because I cherish it. <laughs> so I leave it at my desk so I don't lose it. And I have an adequate pen. Okay, this is a good pen. It uses good refills. But why don't I have something fancy? Morning, Machine NZ. Does that mean you're heading out? Are you leaving us at this time to go to work? Because that's usually what happens. CJ Stevens says, right in the rain, uses the same refills. They are great cartridges. They are. They're fantastic cartridges. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe you could use these in your Saga pen. Uh, I think I heard that. Um, so pen is on my list. Tux Garage has pen on his list, but he is listing the Saga pen. The second thing, which is most often used, is unsurprisingly a Sharpie. I don't know what I would do without a Sharpie. So if you go down into my shop and yay, verily, my office and lab, you will find 10,642 Sharpies. Now they come in sort of, this is sort of your normal Sharpie. They call it a fine point. Then there's the Sharpie that has the fine point on one side and then the ultra fine point on the other end. I have... I have decided that those are not worth uh, carrying around because the fine, this, the ultra fine point inevitably clogs up, dries out, no good. The third thing in my pouch is in the in one of the pens. K Bonk says blue sharpie only. I've gone black. Once you go black, you never go back. I I, I like the blue, but I think the black has more ink and is easier to see. And I, I used that yesterday on the on the lathe. The third pen is not a pen. So the third pen is a carbide scriber. I never go anywhere without my carbide scriber. So those are my three uh, pens. Uh, let's see, we have some incoming data here. So Tuck's full list is phone, wallet, Norseman, Saga, notebook, and keys. Fair enough, sir. Um, Protium says flashlight, a free lux, knife, Spiderco PM3. I respect that, sir. A pocket scalpel. That's interesting. And keychain tweezers by Triaxis. Interesting. Uh, CJ Stevens says Milwaukee makes a great marker as well. Excellent. Now, in the pouch that is part of my belt pouch system, I have two other things. A Mitutoyo 6-inch scale or rule or ruler. You can have arguments about that all day long. With an accessory, okay? Uh, Tuck, Tuck is also saying he carries a 6-inch scale. Um, the accessory is a 3D printed, let's see if I can get this in focus, is a 3D printed cover for the end of the scale, okay? By the way, if anybody wants one of these, let me know, and I will uh, arrange 
to get some of these made. Now I have the, I have my initials on here and it says 2022 on it, which just tells you when I made it. And the reason that's there is because this is a Mitutoyo six inch scale, the, the thick one, not the bendy one. And it is sharp <laughs> and it sticks out of the pouch and I have scratched things up. So that's why I have a, uh, a six inch, a uh, scale. Um, I don't know. What would you call that? Protector. Um, Tux Garage says, if it's working, I have two flashlights, two flashlights, caliper micrometer holster, Gerber multi-tool. We'll get to mine. Pocket protector with pen, mech pencil, Sharpie, tiny screwdriver, and six inch scale. Now, Tuck, is that every single day or is that just a work day? I guess that was what I was asking. Proteum says also have a three inch scale that fits in my wallet. Interesting. Probably the best and most useful piece of swag I have ever gotten at a machine tool show. That's pretty neat. Um, K-Bonk says, why are overall pockets deeper than six inches? Good question. Uh, CJ Stevens says, everyone should carry a high quality multi-tool, no matter your profession. I agree. Uh, and now you're, he's going to say rulers. Okay. The, the thing I've added to my pouch in recent years, this was a, a relatively recent addition, is a Knipex. And uh, Evils is not here, but he'd be very proud of me getting the pronunciation correct. A Knipex uh, parallel jaw pliers in the teeny version. So this model is an uh, 86-100. And it is cute as a button and has been very useful. Okay. Uh, it's a parallel jaw, easy to adjust pair of pliers. And they're awesome. And they fit right in the pouch and they disappear, and you don't even know they're there. So I put them in the pouch. My scale goes in the same pouch, which is an issue, but, you know, not going to solve that today. And that's the pouch. Um, Tobbs says 150 millimeters is his EDC. RJ's Workshop, welcome, sir. He says pen, Sharpie, field notebook, Leatherman, Leatherman Wave, we'll get to an Olite I3T, a sharp pocket knife, the Leatherman gets beat on, and a six-inch tape measure. Fantastic. So after my pouch, which I just described, the next thing I carry every day and use a lot is a flashlight. Now this happens to be a... Um, a Surefire 6PX Pro, okay? So it's a two brightness um, LED flashlight, takes two type 123 batteries. It's been, you know, it's been banged around a lot. I use it a lot. Uh, very happy with it, would recommend. It's been fantastic. The flashlight, very important. I also use the flashlight a lot in machining. Like if you're doing a, um, if you're, if you're uh, putting a cylinder square up against the surface, I will frequently put my flashlight on the other side to look for the light to come through and so I could read it. And we're always working in these dark corners of everything, and uh, it's just super useful. Must have a flashlight. 
As for the knife, I carry a knife every day. Uh, this is a Spyderco um, Delica. I think this is called a Delica 4 something. Yeah, Delica 4 with the Warncliffe blade. I like the Warncliffe shape that has a dead flat blade. Makes It, it goes nice on a PFG stone. <laughs> and as you can see, I, I use it, I carry it, every single day. So this is, this is my favorite. Um, and then I have a backup knife, which is really for if I'm doing box cutting or stuff like that, where I don't want to use the, uh, my main knife, I have a 3d printed utility blade in a holder. And this is on my links page. This was designed by somebody who based it on 13 other people's designs and it works. It, it works great. And it's a utility blade, so it could be made arbitrarily sharp. And also the blade costs nothing. So this is in my pocket. And also the, the other cool thing about this particular knife is you can give it away and not feel bad. In fact, it's kind of nice. Somebody, you bump into somebody, they need a knife, you take it out. They say, oh, thank you. You say, keep it. And it blows their minds. <laughs> so that's another neat one. And if you come visit me, by the way, uh, in the 3D printing department, I have a number of these because I use these as my filament test articles. So if you're going to print something just to test the filament, why not print one of these? And then uh, you have them to give away. Isn't that neat? Uh, the last thing on my tray. Oh, there we go. Proteum just posted a picture of a an Ulfa utility knife is that a snap-off blade that's what it looks like that has uh these snap-off blades so as they dull you just snap a little piece off that's interesting yep snap off awesome uh here is here is my 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 stage two carry right so if if um if i know i'm going to need extra tools i have a leatherman wave and this thing is pretty neat. It's got the Leatherman, of course, which has 75 tools in it. Plus, it's got a little extension for the screwdrivers, and it's got all sorts of bits. So in one little item, and this usually lives in my backpack, so if I grab my backpack, I know I have it with me. Uh, there's my Leatherman Wave for uh, bigger projects. And that is everything that's on my tray. So... If you bump into me in the street, I have everything except the Leatherman Wave guaranteed, and then the Leatherman Wave if I uh, if I know I need it. Uh, K Bonk says good quality utility blades is a must. Tons of junk out there. Absolutely agree. Uh, and it, they're not that expensive. But they will also sharpen a utility blade like that you might carry around like this in one of these holders. If you get bored and you have a set of PFG stones, a couple of swipes on the PFG stone, it actually does a nice job on the, on the end of the, uh, of the cutting blade because it's flat. It's a straight blade. Same reason I carry my, my Warncliffe blade around is because it's straight. I can sharpen it on a PFG stone. I like that. So what else are you carrying on an everyday basis? <laughs> K-Punk says, or a strop. Yes, 
Absolutely true. I kind of like, uh, I'm not a knife aficionado. I know there's a lot of, a lot of you guys out there that know your knives. Um, I kind of lust after a Norseman, but I haven't, I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Here's DBX's list. Let's go over DBX's list. He says a Knipex 8701-125 and an 8603-150. We have to look that up, but it's a Knipex, so it has to be good. A Kershaw link knife. That's a good name. A small needle nose. I'm not judging. Pedro's Pro Bit Drivers. Interesting. Uh, a Wira 8009. A Stabila Mini Level. Oh, I didn't think of that. An OLED LED flashlight. A Wira. Am I pronouncing Wira correctly, by the way? A Wira Ratchet Kit, 4 to 13, which I assume is millimeters. All in a Nanook 903 case. I was going to say, probably not in your pocket. Ah, here's a photo. Lovely. I love Knipex. I, I really have been enjoying uh, their products. <laughs> CJ Stevens says, I would have to provide my EDC outside of this app for reasons I work outside and alone for the most part. CJ Stevens, all we need to know is caliber. That's all That's all we really need to know. Um, we could talk about that in the after show where uh, that sort of discussion is welcome. And uh, verily encouraged. So, what else is uh, what else do you uh, carry around now? Sometimes, like like today, I have a little tool pouch that I will grab to go do a job, and it's a, a little canvas tool pouch that's got to be about a foot a foot wide. I should have grabbed it. I didn't think of it. Um, Ten inches high. It's got four big pockets and a main compartment. <laughs> okay, 45, Roger. And uh it's got a, a Velcro closure. It's just a canvas, a little canvas bag. And I keep it empty. And like I did this morning, you gotta go do a job. I grab it, I fill it with the, the blivets I need, and I take it and I go do what I had to do. And in, in this case, this morning, it was a wireless doorbell. That's your cue, Tuck, to get ready for a video uh a, a video interview. Um, so I just installed my second uh, Blink. Can you see the sticker here? Hang on. Let's see if I can do it. Blink, hashtag not sponsored, but indirectly, I kind of like them. Uh, my second Blink doorbell. So I grabbed my little pouch. I threw in the stuff that's not in my pockets, my drill, uh, you know, some wire cutters and stuff and went and did the job. And when I was all done, I will, I haven't done this. I will empty the bag and put it all away. But if you, if you made me, if you, you said, no, you have to do it with just what's in your pockets. I, I probably could have, uh, and that would have, uh, that would have worked. Um, so if I was in the shop and I was in another person's shop, or I was in a job shop, right, where I'm doing work, I I might have some of the things like uh, Tuck. I know Tuck works in a shop. He's carrying around a, a, a micrometer or maybe calipers. 
Um, those are things which um, I can see adding adding a belt pouch capability for. Very interesting. So if you got any last uh, comments on, on your machinist everyday carry, throw it in the chat and we'll share it with everyone. But, but I think it's a very practical reality. And now, and now Sam, like w when I took that picture, uh, which if, if you weren't, um, I guess I got to post it now. Hang on. If you weren't on Instagram this morning, you might not have seen this photo. So there's Sam having the morning, the morning, uh, beverage, but I had to take the picture cause it was a kinetic precision mug, which by the way is available on the website in the store. But we were having this discussion about, uh, everyday carry and she has, uh, a backpack with stuff in it. And it's a constant discussion of, what do you carry? What do you carry it in? How do you carry it? All this kind of stuff. So I guess it's genetic. Uh, more picks in the Discord chat from DBX. Cool. I like the Weirus stuff. Um, and and the Klein is that Klein gloves, or is that a tool bag? I think that's a tool bag. A pouch. Okay, so that's a Klein tool pouch. Robert Simpson says, country. A county com pocket widgie mini pry bar. That's cute. Tuck's garage. Okay, Tuck's picture is most impressive. It looks like it looks like what was ejected from two tool trucks crashing into each other. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, you're about ten pounds heavier with that load, Tuck. Flatlapper says I always have a mechanical pencil. 0.7 millimeters, several. Good poker. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, you guys are okay. So there you go. Uh, I find that I, I really like the idea of using our 3D printing capabilities and using our machining capabilities to make stuff for ourselves. Widgetworks, holy cow, look at that Knipex. Widgetworks has a big Knipex. Uh, what else? I see a multi-tool, a blue and a black Sharpie. I guess you're, you got a foot in both buckets, a tape measure. I'm, I'm probably missing a couple of things. That's all I can. Oh, and, and one of those break off blade knives also, plus a little screwdriver. Nice job, bud. You are prepared. That's the Boy Scouts marching song. Be prepared. Okay, so um, I couldn't grab Tuck in here. I, I welcome aboard uh, David in uh, Discord. Oh, here comes Tuck. Um, and Bill in uh, in Discord and uh, Mr. Paul Morley, which I might have already said good morning to you. So let, let's bring Tuck in. We're going to continue this conversation. Please stand by. Tuck, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, good. So we were talking about your your everyday carry. Let me see if I can uh, scroll back to your, there we go, <laughs> your pocket load. So t go through the list. Just tell us what's there. Go through the list. So I have two Streamite flashlights for the sole reason that 
one of them is super bright. I mean, like a thousand lumens bright, because I'm usually looking up into the ceilings of the factory I work at. The other one is a selectable flashlight that has laser pointer capabilities. So I usually I leave, it, oh. leave it in laser pointer so I can go that right there and then use the other flashlight to illuminate the area and go that. Or if you know something's going on here, use my flashlight here. Do what you need. Um, moving on, Gerber, Gerber multi-tool, very handy, very slick because you can just flick it and it will open. It doesn't have the Leatherman open all the way. Right. Very, very handy. Um, that caliper micrometer holster is easily my favorite thing on the on my tool belt. So what are you, you carrying around? Uh, what kind of caliper are you carrying around? That is a Fowler six-inch caliper supplied mm -hmm. by my work because they calibrate it um, with a basic zero-to-one micrometer. I'm usually not using the micrometer. It's really there for weight. Otherwise, the holster itself flops around quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But I can do 12-inch calipers there. It, the length doesn't matter as long as the jaws will fit in the pouch. It'll hold almost anything that you want. Super, super handy. Then moving a little bit further down, we have Wallet uh, Norseman. Norseman. My new favorite carry knife. <laughs> um, my pocket protector, which pocket protectors are now completely underrated and i love them because they're so handy pick it up put it back into the, the shirt so good so i've got my um a star six inch scale which was given to me by a machinist buddy so that will live with me forever a mechanical pencil a ballpoint pen which is a g2 pilot hmm. very good gel pencil a um my saga and then a small um, interchangeable screwdriver with a Phillips and a flat head on it that you can get at trade shows where you can pull it out, flip it around, yeah. and put it back in. Very handy. Plus, I can use that to adjust the flashlight that I've got in multi-modes. I've got my keys, which are set up on a key organizer, so they all lay flat. And then you can just select one, use it, and then it goes right back into the holder. And I've got a, a loose uh, where I got from uh, EDC Outlaw um, in my truck keys. Outstanding. Well, thank you for sharing all that with us, both in uh, video and audio. I appreciate it. Um, any other comments on, on EDC? I'm looking to try and get like a pouch that I can put. Like, typically, I'm not wearing most of that. But like the notepad and pen, I usually stick in my back pocket now. Mm -hmm. So usually I won't have any plastic pencils in my back pocket because I'll sit on it all the time. So I'm trying to protect that. Plus, I also live with these two in the same pocket. That would be my oh knife yeah, and phone. yeah. Knife and, and typically, phone. I'm hitting the yeah. screen protector, and I have about at current count five dents. From this guy. So, so I'm trying to find a way. Uh, 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 K-Bonk says, Tuck, is that a Fowler caliper holster? No, it is a generic holster made by Pen Tool Co., which Pen, can be purchased okay. when I found, found it was like $35, maybe $30. So he, here's a proposal. 
why don't we get good at making our own pouches? I mean, we're all craftspeople here, and this is just two different, I'm, I, you know, I'm not saying this is how we do it, but that's one flavor of nylon cloth, and there's another flavor of nylon cloth, and why can't we do it ourselves? Right? We could. We could, except I have people. Not, I, I, I like the flexibility of what I got right now, hence I haven't made one yet. Yeah. All right. Well, Plus thanks I for like jumping in. Right into my pocket, grab what I need, and go. It's true. All right. Thanks for coming in. Now go away. Okay. Good. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Well, that was fun. Um, so I encourage you to think about that sort of stuff, and uh, it's okay to keep tuning that in. Uh, when I discovered the Knipex, the little three-inch Knipex pliers, that was an add-on. That's that's what we brought in, and that was just hugely valuable. Um, Robert Simpson says, sewing is the challenge with making web-type gear. So I, I'll admit it in public, okay, I sew. I am totally competent on a sewing machine. My mom brought me up right. Um, but recently, Jimmy DeResta was talking about these commercial-grade sewing machines, which, while they're not free, okay, are available uh, frequently on eBay uh, because there's a lot of them and, they're, you know, there's just a lot of them on the market. Uh, K-Bonk says maybe 3D print it with TPU. For those of you that don't know, TPU is a, uh, a plastic that's, that's pliable. It's one of the soft things. It's also hard to 3D print because of that, but that's another possibility. The little protector that I showed you on my scale is actually in, uh, in a, this is resin printed using Tough 1500, which is a polyethylene analog. Uh, and it has lasted really well. This particular one, I think, has a little crack in it because I did something to it. But I have I have spares, and it came out really nicely. But yeah, not a bad idea. But I think I think we should be able to sew up, you know, a tool pouch if we need it, a la Jimmy Duresta. So I don't remember the name of the sewing machines he was talking about, but there are commercial machines that are not terribly expensive that will punch through a lot of nylon. <laughs> he was talking about. Um, one inch thick leather, uh, stack up being no problem for one of his sewing machines. I'm not suggesting that, but getting a basic sewing machine that you can do some of the stuff on, I think is not a bad idea. Call me crazy. Um, all right. Well, I enjoyed that. And, and we'll, you know, if anybody comes up with any new discoveries, uh, we'll bring it up. Junk, Junko, Junk. Yeah, that's right. Junko or yeah, we're not sure. Somebody will look it up. I'm sure. And, and give us the name of that sewing machine. Uh, I listened to the podcast that he's on. CJ Stevens says my wife's machine will do over a half inch of leather. That's impressive. Um, yeah, we need the name. We need to know what type of machine that is. So, uh, making it the making it podcast is uh is the one i listened to with jimmy deresta and he on the last one he was talking about his sewing machines it was either the last one or the one right before it uh so if you want to go listen to those you'll pick up some information but i recommend it 
Yeah, RJ RJ's workshop says Weaver 303 is the one he was talking about. So Weaver is a company that supplies leather working goods and uh he is they are a sponsor uh for Jimmy Duresta. So I know he has some new Weaver big stuff. Um CJ Stevens says an old industrial singer. Yeah. I, so the my favorite sewing machine that my mom gave me is the one that she got for her wedding, I think. And it's a singer model something, something. It's a three, I think it's a three digit. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll, I'll, I'll post a picture of the, uh, of the badge on, um, on Instagram, but yeah, it's always sitting downstairs at the ready. Do I use it a lot? No. Is it there? Yes. And I can always go uh, do something on it real quick. Okay. I want to give an update on another topic, which I'm calling data wrangling. So as you know, we've been playing with, uh, writing software in Python. And in particular, we started with, uh, our feathers and we've done some really cool stuff with sensors and, uh, the Adafruit IO process. Um, and that's been going really well. Well, then I got interested in the ability to reach out and grab some data from other sites. And this is, uh, oh, Tuck, Tuck has a comment. Hang on. Tuck, uh, by the way, if you, if you're on our discord server, you, you are entitled to raise your hand and make a video comment like this. Go ahead, Tuck. Um, just wanted to make a point. Make sure you scroll back down for the Discord chat. Oh, so you oh. can see the latest and greatest updates. Oh, thank you That's very it. much. Was that your total comment? That was it. Okay, back to Discord with you. Okay, so David, Ta thank you for telling me that because I missed a few. David Taylor said IFAC for EDC, I F A K. I don't know what that means, but there it is. Proteum says the same reason we don't grind our, all our own end mills. <laughs> I know. I get it. Juki. There it is. DBX got it. J-U-K-I. Juki. So, um, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out, see what's out there for those machines. And uh, Tuck's Garage says kinetic crafting is in your future. I, I don't think so, but... I like the idea of being able to go, you know, make, modify, uh, do something on, on a belt pouch in support of everything else. Ah, David Taylor teaches us something. The acronym IFAC is Individual First Aid Kit. Nice. That You're the first one to to bring up a first aid kit, and I salute you, sir. Nicely done. Good job. So when I learned about this Adafruit IO stuff, um, and I told the story last week, I'm not going to tell it again. I started thinking about what other sources can we scrape data from and post it onto the discord server. So if you're on our discord server, don't go there now, but Later, you can go look at a channel that is called webhook-test, and that's where we're, we're getting webhooks sent to us from Adafruit with some data on my local sensors. But then I got a bug in my bonnet, and I figured out 
how to go scrape some data. And I'm going to show you this right now. We're going to jump over. So here's, here's what the feed looks like on Adafruit. So this is live. These are my sensors. One of the things I will point out is the top graph here shows the voltage reported by each of my four sensor boxes that are out there. And one of them has a slope that's KP2. That's the one that's in uh, one of my bamboo AMSs. The slope of that voltage curve is significantly steeper than the slope of the other voltage curves. Isn't that interesting? That battery, I don't think, is performing the way it should. They're all lasting a really long time the way I have it programmed. But there you go. There's some information. And then, of course, we also have uh, we have temperature from all four sensors. And you can see which one is my shop, the orange one, because it, I heat the shop up, I cool the shop off. I heat the shop up, I cool the shop off. And, of course, relative humidity. The bottom curve, if you're watching the video, is very low and it's below 15%. And that's the inside of my AMS uh, number one. Um, and then of course we have some real time, you know, the, the last measurement on each of the sensors for relative humidity. And you can see the 13% in the AMS. So that led to some other interesting, um, results. So here now don't panic, but I'm, I'm showing some code that I wrote. This is in Python. This is the whole program. Okay, so I wrote a program that reaches out to the aviationweather.gov site. And that's where we pull, when you see me posting these weather little weather widgets on the screen, that's where I'm pulling them from. But that was, that was literally going to the website and getting, uh, uh, you know, getting the information. This is different. This is a little teeny program that goes to the website and asks for the information on Manchester Airport, and then it, it processes it. And what it does is it will, it will do it every three hours, because that's what I programmed it to do, and it will only post it if it changed from the last time it posted it. And then it goes ahead and it posts it to the Discord server, and every three hours we get this report. Now, it has what's called a console output, which if you have the window open on your computer, it will also print to the console. And what you're seeing on the screen is the output of the console. So every three hours it goes, it retrieves the weather from the site. It reports on the console, the, the status code, which is 200. That's like a normal, a normal status code. There's the line of data that it retrieved, which you see us play with every time we start the show and it posts it to, to discord and it posts the discord status code which is 204 which is something like yeah thanks buddy that's basically what it means this is super cool okay now all you have to do if you have for example a windows machine it's the same on a mac although i don't know the details is you take this little piece of code which is in a a, a file that's .py for Python, and you put it in the startup folder. Uh, don't I can't remember the exact location, but there's a there's a folder called startup, 
That's all you have to do. Now, when you boot your computer, it will run that software. Now, if you call it p.py, it'll open up uh, a window. Let's see if I can do this for you. Yep, it'll open up this, uh, this status window, okay? Uh, but if you call it .pyw, it will run in the background and it will not open up a status window. So right now I have two programs running on my computer. One goes out and, and looks at the aviation weather and grabs it and posts it. And the other one goes out and looks at the subscriber count for the kinetic precision. And again, if it, it only posts it when it changes, which, which is, you know, hours or days, and they're both running on my computer, you know, taking up almost zero resources. This is cool. So this means I've now graduated to the point where I can pull, I could pull data from all of my sensors. I could make decisions as to what my, my data is from my sensors, but I could also make decisions based on data that I'm pulling from other sites. And then I can issue commands to go do some other stuff, which could be as simple as just post this to this discord channel. And I'm having a lot of fun with this. So I will continue sharing that, that journey. It's a, it's a really cool tool for us nerds to get stuff done. And also in the shop, for example, is my, you know, what's my coolant level? What's my coolant temperature? What's my grinder, you know, doing? Uh, these are all things that I could see becoming super useful and it's been a lot of fun to learn. So stay tuned. We'll keep you posted. But once again, if you, if you want to join us on the discord server, um, uh, you could, you could play along and see what's going on. Uh, and we could, I, I'm about to start breaking it out into a couple of different channels. Like we'll have the weather channel <laughs> no, no trademark infringement infringement here. Uh, but we could also have our test channels and uh, and have a lot of fun. And and those are called webhooks, things that reach back into the Discord server and post to a channel is called a webhook. Isn't that fun? So uh, stay tuned. And the, the recommended book, by the way, for the general purpose learning of Python is a Python Crash Course right here by uh, Eric Mathis. Excellent book on Amazon. I think, I don't know if I put the link to the book on links, but maybe I'll do that. Okay, we've run it out. Uh, we're at the top of the hour. Does anybody have any last minute questions, comments, snide remarks, or uh, belated weather reports? We'll take that now while I have a sip of tea. So as usual, uh, this is going to be a... Uh, a video on YouTube. Uh, if you're enjoying these YouTube videos, please subscribe. Our channel name is, uh, the, well, the handle is at sign KPNH. And please subscribe. If you're enjoying this as a podcast subscriber, please do not drive off the road. Pay attention to the guy in the white Camry and throw us a sub on YouTube anyway. Um, thanks, everyone. We're going to wrap this up. CJ Stevens. Thanks for being here. Oscar, thank you very much for your uh, your comment. We will be in the after show on the Discord server while I do my editing and get this thing out. You guys are awesome. 
have a great time in the shop. Go make something for someone else and uh, make sure your everyday carry is with you at all times. Get flat, stay flat, and maybe one day we'll figure out some PFG stones that you can have in your EDC. We'll talk about that another time. All right, guys, take care. Have fun.